On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Well, this series is based on uh, my book, and uh, wrote a book several years ago called A Life That Thrives. Uh, discipleship made simple but not easy. Uh, I think too often we're looking for things to be easy. We're wanting the greatest return on the least investment. Anyone want to agree with me on that one, right? If I could just put in a little bit and get a whole bunch back. Uh, well, it, uh, discipleship is simple. It's just not easy. And so I uh, wrote this book. My heart's intention was to give a foundation for a life of devotion and not just a devotional life. And you can see the difference between those two, even as I say those words, a life of devotion versus a devotional life. A devotional life is just this slice of my life. It's a slice of my hours. It goes, this is, this is my devotional life. As opposed to my life of devotion, it's all I am. It's all, all that's coming in me, through me, etc. It's all about devoting myself to God. And so I put together a, what I'll call a modern parable. And it's about spiritual transformation, not just spiritual information. Because we are in a culture, we love our information. We love at the, at the fingertips. I wonder how old he is. Hey, Google, how old? Is? And we just, we automatically, we just ask. Oh, I wonder, what was the name of that movie? Hey, what was the name of the movie? We, we, we love to get our information, but it's not changing us. I know for, for me, why, now this, is just, this is my own little world right here. Uh, I, I remember a whole bunch of phone numbers from when I was a kid. I stopped remembering phone numbers. I, I just don't, I, 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 I literally, I can be calling people. I don't know any of my kids' phone numbers anymore. They're just gone because it's like, look, I just auto like We love our information, but I think what God is after is some transformation. So I came up with, again, this modern parable called the Thrive Tree. This is a Thrive Tree. It's made up in these four sections. Private, starting in the private with the roots, reading God's word, meditation, prayer, worship. This is where I'm belonging to him. I'm finding out what my belovedness is. I'm beloved. The Bible says that I'm the beloved of God. That Watch this. I'm a friend of God. We just sang that song. I'm a friend of God. That's where I'm discovering in this private place. Moving up into the public, I start to sprout, right? All the roots that are going down now start to come up. And I start to become by knowing who I am. And it starts with that kind of interaction. Community groups, Sunday services, growth groups. It's where, this is where I start to understand, oh, I read the Bible here and I go, ha, 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 that's why I do what I do. I can't tell you how often I struggle with, why did I do that? What was the motive inside of me that created that? <clears throat> we move into the third level. We ended this last week, regularly bearing. This is the fruit we're after, and I called it safe fruit. Stewardship, accountability, fellowship, and evangelism. Evangelism is a result of the first three. Stewardship, accountability, and fellowship. When I start doing those odd, the Bible says that we are a peculiar people. And as a peculiar people, people go, that's very peculiar. That's when evangelism happens. I give the answer for my peculiarity. I've been asked. I'm at the gas station. So he said, what are you so happy about? Because nobody whistles anymore. Whistling is a wonderful pastime. Okay, and so I'll be whistling, and he's like, what are you so happy about? Well, I've got a lot of reasons. If you want me to start the list, I can get going now, but you'll probably have to fill up several times for me to get through the end of it. And they're like, wow, I'm sorry I asked. 
I've done that once. And I realized, okay, I just overwhelmed that person. But there are other times I have a lot to be happy for. I have a lot that makes me process like that, that it, it ends up just coming out in a whistle. Really? Like what? So you know what? I once was really messed up. I once was living for myself. I was living everything. It was all about me. It was, I was completely self-centered. I wanted what I wanted. When I wanted it, how I wanted it, where I wanted it, with who I... I was after everything I could get a hold of, like with me in the center. And I realized the world doesn't function well that way. They go, right. I, I didn't have to mention Jesus. Not there. Not yet. That's not what they were asking for. They're just trying to... Like, what is that? We talked about that last week. This week is where we're going to be going to this always being. It's knowing rest. This is a tough one, I think, for everybody. This is really a tough one. And it goes again, recreation or Sabbath. And it's this Sabbath time that I think we really struggle with. The Bible says that the leaves, in two places, says the leaves of this living tree in the book of Revelation says that the leaves bring, listen to this, healing to the nations. Revelation chapter 22 says the leaves of the tree of life, this life tree where it's, watch this, the Bible says that there's a river that flows from the throne of God and this tree is planted and soaking up water from this river and it says it produces fruit. 12 different crops all year long. And that the leaves can bring healing. And I go, oh, I, I genuinely believe that's when we start to honor God. This Sabbath thing. So I'm gonna dig into that this morning. Uh, as we do, I want to point out the Thrive Tree that's over here. You guys have been seeing this come to life week after week. This is the Thrive Tree. This is going to be hanging in our community wing. Nick Iacovetti just painted that for us each week. Started with the roots, got into the trunk, got into the branches, and now we're finally up to the, the whole tree. We're going to be putting that up in the community wing coming up. But I want to show you this. This is kind of wild. Look what happens when you throw different colors on it. It's like, I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Look what happens. Like Colors disappear and colors come back. It's just my ADHD. You're welcome to it. I was like, man, that's cool. How do, can we have like blinking lights and everybody's going to be getting seizures or something like that? I don't know. But uh, this is going to be going in the community wing. Very excited. Thank you, Nick, for doing that. So again, today, we're going to be looking at the crown. So open up your app. If you got the app, I want you to have the app. Get that open because I have notes for you. I have some scriptures for you. You'll be able to look those up. You can fill in the blanks this morning. Open up your app. Uh, we're going to be looking at the crown. And so I want to start with this definition of recreation. Here's the definition of Recreation. Recreation, watch this, first word, activity, activity, we love that, activity done for enjoyment when one is not working, but I'm staying busy, I think there's a problem with our culture, I'll call it culture of the West, we don't know how to not be busy, so even when we get a day off, oh, great, we have a day off. Let's do this and this and this. And we pack it all in on one day. And we end up, watch this, needing a vacation from our vacation. Anyone? I, I, I want to let you in on something today. Here, here's a quick freebie. When I go on vacation, I'm in rest mode day one. And I believe it's because of what we're going to talk about today. Because I Sabbath every week. Because I let my body rest Every single week, I take a full day and go, not today, not today. What about this? Not today. What about this? Not today. Not the have-tos. I literally, it is so hard. It is a radical discipline that's taken me years to develop, but it's pushing all of that away going, no, not today. And then when I get on vacation, I, I'm ready to engage day one. 
And I've, I've been with friends who have gone, man, how are you so relaxed already? I'm still trying to unwind. Here's the word people use. I'm trying to unwind because I'm so wound up. I believe Sabbath is an answer to this ongoing ill that we all have. So what I've chosen to do with this word is stick a dash in there, stick a little hyphen in there. I've hyphenated this word, which produces an entirely different word, recreation. Not just recreation, but recreation. See, we love the focus of activity. But recreation, again, becomes something totally different. It's, about, it's about, not about entertaining ourselves with activity, but creating anew. It's creating anew or creating again. One of the things that is a good example is the Rembrandt that hangs in the back of, our, of this room. That's a recreation. Somebody stopped and said, this is a good thing, I'm going to redo it again. And so, wait, when I say, so how can I recreate this thing inside of me? Now, the other words you saw on the Thrive Tree in the crown section was, it's another Bible word, like last week's Bible word, fellowship. Anybody remember the Greek word for fellowship? Anybody? Anybody? Koinonia, koinonia, it's, it's just, it's fun coming out of your face. It's like koinonia, right? Uh, koinonia is, it's just word, it just means fellowship. It means having something in common and celebrating it together. That's fellowship, right? Well, this word's Bible, this week's Bible word is Sabbath, right? It, it's not a word that's used except in the Bible. We, we don't use it. Now listen, there are, there are Jews that use this word today. There are some Jews who abide by this. And, and I'll tell you what, I was in Israel and, and it's wild the, the ways that you have to observe the Sabbath. Even today, Orthodox Jews, they're called Orthodox Jews who are really uh, legalistic about it. Uh, they will, listen to this, they have a stack of toilet paper all pre-torn off sitting by the toilet, because listen to this, because they consider taking out the toilet paper and tearing it, they consider that work. And you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So they have literally a stack of sections of toilet paper for when they go to the bathroom. They have to leave a light on 24 hours because they say that is work. I don't think that's what God had in mind. And Jesus goes in to tell us, hey, listen, <laughs> The Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. That's not, we weren't trying to accomplish something that way. We're trying to get you to relax here. So much so, I'll go even farther back. Some of you heard me give this example. Way back in the Old Testament days, it was against the Sabbath to spit on the ground because if you spit, the spit could hit the ground, create a burrow, watch this, and a seed could fall into it and you could be accused of working on the Sabbath that you were trying to harvest. I'm like, wow. No wonder those Ten Commandments, we're going to talk about some of them today, no wonder those Ten Commandments became 600 plus. Because, well, we, gotta, we have to, we have to, we have to. That, that's not the idea of Sabbath. The, the, probably in its simplest form, Sabbath just means this. Stop. Stop. And, and I, I genuinely believe that's the way the Lord says it to us. God says it like this. Stop. We are so busy we are so busy. Sabbath has two parts. Here's, here's filling in your notes. Sabbath has two parts. Here's the first one. It's external preparation. It's where God is saying to us, listen to what God says to us. Hey, I want you to trust me tomorrow. He gives us a warning. Hey, tomorrow is a Sabbath, and I want you to trust me tomorrow. And, and then my response is, okay, so what do I got to do? So what do I got to do? It's called preparation. 
Now watch this. I just gave you some legalistic preparation. People cutting off sections of toilet paper, leaving lights on. I'm like, wow, literally. But I want you to know, I want you to know here's the way it worked in my family. We would make a casserole the day before. We would make a, a pan dish that we could just easily just throw in, into, the, into the oven so that on our Sabbath, we didn't have to really cook. We just had to heat it up. Does, does that make sense? See, we would, it was okay to make sandwiches. That was easy. Peanut butter jelly having that, right? But for dinner, we didn't want to be chopping the vegetables, boiling the noodles, so we just made something ahead of time so we just throw it in the oven. That's what preparation is. And I, and I know that that sounds like, wow, 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 you have to prepare for the Sabbath? Listen, preparation is necessary because rest only happens on purpose. You know that. We, we all know that. Rest happens on purpose. And this is on us. See, we're getting ready. We're positioning ourselves. And we do it all the time. We do it for vacation. Oh, it's a four-day weekend. We got Monday off. I got to get this, 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 this done before Friday because I'm not coming in on Monday. You know what I'm talking about, right? We do it when we get prepared for vacation. We do it when there's just a four-day weekend. We do that. Watch this. We prepare to Sabbath every night. When our body goes to bed, this bag of bones, right? This body goes to bed. It's going to rest. We get prepared. And so we go, okay, are all the doors locked? Is everything put away? Is this thing secured? Are the lights off? We prepare to rest. I know for my bride, she's like, I just can't have a sink full of dishes and go to bed at night. For her, it's just like, that's not what we, so the kitchen's clean when we go to bed at night. I know, listen, for me, my Sabbath starts when I leave at five o'clock. I leave a half an hour every day, five, typically to 5.30 in the school season, it's been a little hard, but I leave a half an hour every day at the end of my workday to clean up my desk, to put things away, to put things ready, and prepare for tomorrow morning when I come back, I want this list of things that I need to do. I need to be prepared for what I'm going to engage tomorrow. But I can walk away from my desk going, okay, it's all, it's all put away. It's all. Now listen, part of that's my ADHD. I, I can't function in clutter. I can't function in, in that much uh, disarray. And I have to have things together. They have to be done right because I can easily get lost in it. And so as a personal self-discipline, I've, I've learned I've got to put things back together. Here's the second thing it does. It's an internal preparation. It's where God's saying, hey, I want you to trust me today. Oh, and this is where it changes from what do I got to do to what do I get to do. God is saying, hey, I want you to trust me today. Our posture isn't about achieving anything. It's a reminder of who God is and who I am, again, as his beloved, as his beloved child. As his child, and God says, I'm pleased in you. And I'm like, with all the mess that I made today? Yeah, you didn't have to do anything. Keep in mind Jesus' baptism, we'll talk about it in a little bit. At Jesus' baptism, before Jesus has done anything, before any ministry has been accomplished, before anything, he's just getting baptized. And the Father says, this is the one I'm pleased with. Oh, see, I, I, I get that posture. To Sabbath isn't selfish or lazy, but it's an invitation to remain in God. And we talked about it last week, remaining in him, John chapter 15. He's, God says, I need you to remain Jesus says, you can't do anything unless you remain. You have to stay connected to. And it's so easy to disconnect, yeah? I get up in the morning and I'm tempted to disconnect by connecting to something else. I'm, attempt I'm tempted to connect to my day, connect to my schedule, connect to the things that need to be done. And God says, hey, hey would you connect with me first? 
because I have some insights on the things that you're going to be facing today. I'm going to prepare you for what you're, what, what you're about to face. I go, yes. Now, the Sabbath has is a reminder. It's a reminder. And, and this is what I love about the Sabbath. It's a rem, it's a, it's, I call it this, a reminder to remember. Two very significant events in the great story. The first one is in Exodus. You've got your Bibles. Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Here's what it says. Exodus chapter 20. You don't have to turn there, but if you can, look at this. It's in the very beginning. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. Listen to what he says. This is the first time the Ten Commandments were brought. He says, that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Because he rested. He's calling us to rest. And then just over into Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. This is the second time that the big tenor brought, right? The big tenor brought the second time. He says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. See, the first time, again, was we were celebrating cre- the creation of the universe. He says, I want you to remember creation. That's what Sabbath is about. I want you to remember creation. But this time, he says, I want you to remember salvation. I want you to remember you were once lost. You were once captives. You were once stuck. And I came in and pulled you out of it. I pulled you out of what I'll call circling the drain. And I saved you. He says this, hey, you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand, powerful arm. That's why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. See, there's two pieces. One is creation. One is salvation. Both have to do with the Sabbath. These are both in regards to the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. He says, hey, this is why we celebrate Sabbath. See, Sabbath has the ability to move us from digital living to an analog life. We want things fast. We want it now. We have to move away from that so that we can remember again. Sabbath is this dedicated time that we've purposely set it aside every week to stop, to rest from activity. Sabbath says, hey, wait a minute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna delight in who God is and what he's done. I'm just gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. I, I can stop for a day. And watch this. It takes huge faith to rest for 24 hours. So listen, here's me. Try it for six. Try it for 12. Maybe you can't do a full day. Okay, start. Start somewhere. God says, I want you to rest for a full day. I need you to rest. I need you to take it easy for 24 hours once a week. I'm encouraging you if you go, that's freaking me. I don't have the faith to believe. Here's why it takes faith. Because I have to believe, I have to believe that God can accomplish in that one day what I couldn't get done in seven days if I had them all. See, I go, I got to work. I have to work seven days a week in order to make the money and get the deadlines met. And God goes, hey, if you take this one, watch what I will do. I'll redeem that time. I'll take care of these things. But I need you to honor me first. He's he's created us. And as, as our creator, he says, this is the way you work most efficiently. This is the way you work best. And this is the way you're going to work in the long run. So that's a general flyover of Sabbath. Because watch this now. I could dig into Sabbath more, but really we know what this is. Taking a day each week and saying, I gotta stop. And I could dig in, I could look at the Old Testament, I could look more at the New Testament, but, but here's what I'd rather do today. I'd rather take us to a level deeper. Sabbath is a great thing. I'm letting you know of all the things that, it, that it's done for me. It allows me not to, I don't need to unwind to get on my vacation. I'm ready to rest fully. 
when I go to vacation. I'm letting you know there's all kinds of benefits, but I really want to point out something to you today. I'll call it, it's where the money is, right? It's, it's the sweet spot of Sabbath, that if we can practice Sabbath on a regular basis, here's something that you'll get out of it. See, we live so much of our life in public. I would say even too much of our life is in public. It's in the presence of others. And I think because of that, we have become shallow. We share the surface. We share the highlight reel. How you doing? Great. But really, I had a really hard morning. But I'm not going to bring that up. I'm just going to share the highlight reel. How are you? Fine. We just, we just give the easy, easiest answer because you really don't want to know the rest, do you? But I, I think there are people who really are asking, how are you? H- how are you? But depth requires us to remain hidden. Remember the root section? In the secret. In the quiet. In the depth. No one else is around. I'm having time in God's word. I'm meditating. I'm praying. I, right? I, I'm worshiping all by myself. I think we need that for true depth. We have to remain hidden. Here's why you can fill this in. Because today I think there's an evaporation of privacy. It is disappearing before our eyes. I'm not talking about big brother. Don't go down there. Camera's on every corner. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the privacy we gave up. Because we tell everything. Everything becomes public. Everything, everything is lived above the soil. We've got to live below the soil. And the life of Jesus was marked as much by withdrawal as by engagement. And throughout his ministry is this hot pursuit of solitude. And that's what I want to dig into this morning. I want to give you, I want to give you a key that will change your life. And it's called solitude. See, after his baptism, he disappeared into the desert for 40 days. 40 days. Solitude. You're like, I couldn't do solitude for four minutes, let alone 40 40 minutes, let alone 40 days, right? I'm like, that's not going to happen, right? He withdrew to a lonely place to mourn the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. He gets the news, hey, your your cousin has been beheaded. (gasps) The Bible says he withdrew to a lonely place to spend time with God. Mark and Luke both describe Jesus leaving and looking, seeking for a desolate place to go. On the night of his crucifixion, Jesus goes into the garden. He's got a few friends with him, right? And he goes, hey, tell you what, you guys stay here. I'm going to go further on by myself, deeper still, right? I'm going to go even deeper because I need to pull away. And this pattern of withdrawal that Jesus has, and it doesn't mark Jesus as a special case. That doesn't make Jesus special. I think it's actually, listen to me, I think it's actually a a, a mark of his humanity. It's an expression of his humanity. We, we, we need to be alone. Not all the time. God was very clear. It is not good to be alone. I know that. But there are times We just need to be quiet. We need to be in solitude. And Jesus, who is God with skin on, right? He has this body. This body has limited resources. God, the God, the creator of the universe, comes down, takes on the form of this, and goes, what a drag. So like, like I can't keep going. See, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's all-present. He's going, I can only be present 
Here, the body's a drag. And I've shared this before. I, I, don't th- I, I really do believe Jesus went to bed at night going, my body is going to give up if I stay up all night. I would rather stay up all night and, and minister. I'd rather stay up all night and do what I came to do as the Messiah to save people. But I can't because I'm trapped in this thing. And this body has limitations. He realizes those limitations because these, this resource depletes. It goes away. Our physical drive, our emotional, spiritual energy, our capacity for empathy. Have you ever gotten so tired you have no patience? Do you see what I'm talking about? That's why we need this thing. First called Sabbath, but I'm getting into this thing called solitude. I believe that if we get some solitude, we will be better able to make some decisions. You ever get so tired? Watch this. My, my bride has used I have decision fatigue. Right? I've been, anybody? Listen, I, 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 this, this is me too. I'm like, I'm so tired of making decisions, just whatever. I don't care anymore. I go, what's wrong? I'm going to get into it. It's the need for solitude. It's the need to pull away. Jesus is God and yet he's deeply human, and that humanity, the fully human Jesus, is vulnerable. He's vulnerable to hunger. He's vulnerable to weariness. He's vulnerable to fear, to anxiety. He's vulnerable to anxiety. Jesus could do that, and yet he's perfect. Not because he never tires. Not because he never tires of the crowd or or the work of ministry. Listen, but because, I believe, because he responds to the weariness by withdrawing into desolate places. By finding some solitude to rest and pray. Again, solitude is the hidden ground. And that's where his ministry comes forward. His ministry. See, listen to this. I go away. For me. I go away so that I can come back. That's the whole point. I go away so that I can come back. I can't keep coming back if I don't go away. We've made a joke of it. Go away so I can miss you. Right? I go away so that I can come back. You want to see it? Come on, come with me. Open up to Matthew. It's a good news book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the very beginning of the New Testament. You got it in your chair back, right? Grab Matthew chapter four. Watch this. I'll show you what this looks like. This hidden ground that Jesus' ministry comes out of. Here it is in Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four, starting in verse one. I'm going to read through verse 11. Jesus was led by the Spirit. He just got baptized, right? Voice from heaven, I mentioned this earlier, says, a voice from heaven says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Watch this. Verse one, chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, (laughs) he fasted and became, all emphasis, very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Because you ain't been eating for 40 days, right? But Jesus says, nah, man. The scriptures say this. People don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then the devil takes him to the holy city in Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he says, hey, if you're the son of God, jump off. Because you know the scriptures say he's going to order his angels to protect you, and they'll hold you with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus says, yeah, but the scriptures also say you don't test God. Don't do that. So the devil takes him to the peak of a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he says, I'll give it all to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. 
I love it. Jesus is so done. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here, Satan. Because the scriptures say you worship the Lord your God only and serve only him. Then the devil went away and, his angels, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Whew. Now notice this, that the devil comes to tempt Jesus after he spent 40 days in solitude, fasting and praying. Now, I, I believe some would read this and go, oh, the devil's being opportunistic. He's like, oh, right, I'm going to attack Jesus after the 40 days of heat and hunger in the desert. Right? Because that's what's weakened him. And I believe this is wrong. Fill this one in. Come here. The devil made the mistake of tempting Jesus, not at his weakest, but at his strongest. Listen to me. I want you to see this. This is what solitude does. We think Jesus is weak because he hasn't eaten for 40 days. Jesus is strong because he hasn't eaten for 40 days. Listen to me. When the devil comes and says, hey, uh, you, you know, hey, you need personal power. He goes, I don't need personal power. God's going to take care of me. Please know this. Jesus isn't tempted by bread because he's learned to live without it for 40 days. Really? Bread? Bro, I didn't need bread for 40 days. The God of the universe has sustained me. You think that's a temptation? You gotta be kidding me. Out of here, man. The devil comes thinking he's weakened and he says, oh, you need approval. Hey, worship me and, they'll, and, and then I'll give you all this. He goes, Psh, get out of here. You know why? Because for the last 40 days in the middle of the desert, all I can hear is, this is my beloved son in whom I have great joy. I don't need your approval. Get out of here. He's done. The devil's been put down because Jesus spent 40 days in solitude. Imagine what one day of solitude could do for you. One day, a half a day of solitude where you just go, I gotta get my head right. I gotta relearn who I am. And I gotta live as loved. This is who I am. I have to align my spirit to who he says I am. But here's what happens. Hey, you did a good job. You got the deadline completed. Hey, you did a great job. You made those phone calls. You got those tasks completed. Hey, you got the car taken in. You got the gas filled. You... We get all of our identity by all the doing. And we love it, don't we? We love the praise. But Jesus goes, I don't need praise. I, I don't need praise. <laughs> I love applause. I'm telling you, can I share a moment with you? It'll happen sometimes, right? Somebody, somebody will come up and, you know, Pastor Ashton will come. And he'll finish his sermon. Everybody goes, Pastor Ashton, that was awesome. They've never applauded for me. <laughs> Please don't do that in Jesus' name. See, Jesus is going, I don't need your approval. I don't need your approval of what I do. I did nothing, and the God of the universe said, I'm his joy. And I've been listening to that for 40 days. The truest and most real version of each of us exists in the hidden ground of solitude. In Jesus' name, go find yourself. Go find out who you are. Because then all the positioning and all the, I gotta do this and I gotta, I gotta say the right things to these people and do the right things for these people and I can earn my promotion. And God goes, promotion comes from me. That's what the Bible says. Promotion comes from the Lord. But we think, well, if I do the right things and I, and I position and jockey for position, we saw what the disciples did. 
Matthew 18. Hey, what, can, can we get a side, one on your right and one on your left? He's like, you guys don't get it. You got to be like kids. You got to be like children. You've missed it. Oh, it's not about jockeying for position. And by the way, I want to remind you, and I, I try and bring this up every time, but the weapon that Jesus used all three times, this is why I'm telling you, bring your Bible to church. This is why I'm telling you, have a highlighter. This is why I'm telling you, take notes, because this is what Jesus used. Every single time the devil came and said, hey, uh, I'm like, that sounds right. Yeah, you're right. God's going to take care of me. I can spend tomorrow's money going to debt. God's going to take care of it. No, because the Bible says don't do that. See, if we know this, we can use this when we're tempted. We can use the Bible. And please know this, solitude is a, lear- is, it's a learning curve. I was, I was crazy afraid of silence. Whew. Again, you, you know my history. Some of you know my history. I'm, I'm one of seven kids. My house was very busy, very loud, very all the time. And the thought of being quiet and silent freaked me out. It takes practice. And like anything worth doing, our first efforts are going to be painful. It's like, I can't stop. My brain won't stop thinking. It's okay. Give it, give it one hour. Just try solitude for one hour. Solitude for an hour. I couldn't do it. Just try it. Here's the problem. You can fill this one in. The terror of silence is what's going to tempt us away from the quiet. We are freaked out at the thought of sitting by ourselves in total silence. I have been doing this for myself since 1993. I now will spend four days in total solitude and silence. I don't speak. I have no other noises other than trees or whatever. I I go away by myself for four days. That should tell you there is a God in the universe because I sit quiet for four days, okay? That's the miraculous, right? I've already got the miracle happening. I'm on my way to sainthood. Okay, and so, so, so here's what happens though. See, this, this silence freaks us out. We want, we want our emails. We want our task lists. I'm telling you, you will even be tempted by a sink full of dishes. Just don't make me spend time alone. I'd rather go vacuum the house. That's no good. We want anything that will protect us from the simmering something. Because I used to freak out. Like, what if he says something while I'm gone? And now I go, I can't wait for him to say something while I'm gone. Hmm. I'm going to leave this one up here for you. There's a friend. Oh, I love this man of God. His name's Wayne Cordero. Solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. And isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. You're probably going to want to take your cell phone out and take a picture of it. I promise you. You're going to need to think about this one. Solitude is my choice. I'm separating myself to refine my soul. And if I don't do that, I will choose isolation and I will walk alone. I will walk without you. I will make my own decisions. I will start, selfishness will take over. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect solitude. Solitude is what I do because God wants to spend time with me. So I choose solitude. Because I know if I don't choose solitude, I'll begin backing away from you. And I need to be with you. Listen, 
I need you in my life. Here's the scary part. You need me in your life. <laughs> but I choose solitude so that I can come back and be. The Bible often likens God's relationship to his people as that of a lover. It's all over scripture. God is the lover and we're his beloved. And lovers share more than physical intimacy. They share secrets, their pasts, their desires, their disappointments. And nothing will end a relationship faster than the betrayal of that confidence, of that intimate confidence. And I believe we need space in our life for stories, for experiences that exist only between us and him. Nobody else is invited to this. This is between me and him. Even today, I'm being very careful not to share the things that I do while I'm gone. I'm telling you, I go away for four days, but I'm not sharing all the things that I do. I will be sharing because I'm looking at having a couple silent retreats, directed retreats this year because I think you'll benefit from it. But we need to guard the borders of solitude. In fact, the Bible and church history gives it another, it's, it would be considered another discipline uh, the church has called it the practice of secrecy. Not secrecy like you can't tell, but secrecy that is a private intimacy between us and God alone. I don't talk about all the things that I get from God. I do get home, and I'll have pages of handwritten notes, and I'll share just a few of them with my bride. I'll say, oh, and the Lord shared this, and the Lord shared that. But I don't share everything, because some of that is between him and me. God's talking to me. Not every spiritual experience is something we need to share and broadcast on social media. There's just some things the Lord says, hey, 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 that's between you and me. Leave it right here. The impulse to live our lives on display isn't anything new. Listen to me. The impulse to share our lives and be on display is nothing new. Jesus knew exactly what we would do with Facebook and Instagram. He knew it. He goes, oh, they're going to have Instagram. Here it comes, and it comes out of his face. It's beautiful. Watch this. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, just a couple pages over. <clears throat> Jesus talks about Instagram. Are you ready? You're, you're doubting me, aren't you, right? Watch this. Open up your Bibles. Turn it on. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Look what Jesus says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners, in the synagogues, where everyone can see them. I'm telling you the truth. That's all the reward they're ever going to get. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. He's talking about Instagram. That's, that's what that's about. Facebook, oh, here's my prayer for today. Here's my devotional for today. Snapshot, snapshot. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's great. I do it too. But not everything. Not all the time. Sometimes it's just between me and him. And Jesus examples and invites us into the practice of solitude and silence and secrecy. These disciplines of withdrawal and disconnection and silence. And I believe they are key disciplines for living the Christian life today. I think we're missing this. They provide this space for truly intimate and personal relationship with God. It's, listen to me, it's being present with the presence. I'm gonna be present with his presence. He's all around. 
I just don't have eyes to see and ears to hear the things that he's doing and, he, and things that he's saying because I'm busy listening to other things. Solitude calls us back to that and being present in his presence. We are people of his presence. Right? We need to break the habits of display and discover what it means to be alone with God. I believe Shakespeare was right when he said, all the world is a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their, they, they have their exits and their entrances and one man, one man in his time plays many parts. Shakespeare said that. And we appear and we perform our many parts on our preferred stages. I'm going to perform this at work. I'm going to perform this with my friends. And I'm going to perform this with my family. And we begin to live many parts. There's a danger in this. Because we're presenting a persona. For your consideration. And the academy. Thank you very much. The word hypocrite. In the New Testament, we see that word. We know that word. But the word hypocrite, the Greek word hypocrite, means actor. That's what that means. When you see Jesus say, the hypocrites, don't be a hypocrite. He used a Greek form of a word. He said, this is what they do. They're actors, mask wearers, pretending to be what they are not. And Jesus talks about mask wearing 15 times in Matthew One time in Mark, four times in Luke, 20 different times Jesus brings up mask wearing and all 20 times he says it's not a good thing. Don't be a hypocrite. I put some notes in in your app this morning for mask wearing. There's all kinds of scriptures in there. Again, I've given you those 20. But it's easy to be religious. It's easy to be spiritually minded. It's, it's easy to, to sound spiritual, to look spiritual, to act spiritual. But sometimes that's a mask, and therefore it's hypocrisy. So, beloved, let's take off our masks. Let's breathe deep our acceptance. Let's walk in the confidence that we are his dearly beloved. Beloved.